0: Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast, They Might Be Mariners, it's our minor league arm of our podcast empire. I'm managing editor Kate Pruiser and I am joined today by my cohorts, the Killer Jays were like the Killer Bees uh but but Jays instead. That works, right? That works kind of.
1: Well, I guess we're going with
0: it. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, look, it's been a long day, okay? I spent 4 hours recapping a long spring training game that ended in a tie. Give me a break. That's Joe Doyle. Joe, how are you?
1: I am good. How are you guys doing?
0: Uh we are at, well, I'm doing well. I don't know if I can speak for John. John, how are you? How was your day of wrangling the children?
2: Yeah, the youth are all right. Uh, the, you, the
0: kids are all right.
2: Yeah, we, we learned we're getting we're getting vaxxed. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's exciting. That's very exciting. So really everything else is gravy. Got to listen to a little bit of the game. Heard heard Mitch Haniger's Homer. Oh, that, Assumed, was, very that was all exciting. I really needed to know. So uh, so yeah, that was that was pretty solid.
0: Back to back to back. That was definitely the highlight of today's spring training game. There's a recap up on the site with pictures for you to look at uh all this is very exciting also exciting we have a special guest on the podcast we are joined today by the mariners 2019 third round pick levi stout levi how are you
3: doing well thanks for having me on guys
0: thank you for being on i'm saying it correctly yes levi stout stout yes that's correct i did i don't know if wanted to make <laughs> sure that was stud it's it <laughs> pronounced stud Well, it might be by the time Levi gets done with the league. Um, So Levi, you went to Lehigh University, which I only know because I lived in eastern Pennsylvania for a a good chunk of time. So I'm familiar with the Lehigh Valley. Valley. Not exactly like a, I wouldn't call it an MLB draft power school. I believe you're the highest drafted player ever to come out of Lehigh. I'm curious to hear about your journey to being a top 100 MLB draft pick uh, from maybe maybe lesser known origins.
3: Yeah, it's definitely not a, uh, a powerhouse school for, for a baseball, as far as that goes. Um, it is it is kind of on the on the upside. We got we got a couple of guys this year who are looking to be pretty high draft picks. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time for that team.
0: Look at you! You're just a trendsetter.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess I I grew up half hour from Lehigh, so I, I kind of always knew of the school. Um, never really had a like dream or desire to go there. Um, it kind of just it kind of just happened when I started looking at schools. Uh, I went to I went to uh, like a camp they put on. Uh, the coach liked me. I. Ended up going on a tour and committing there my after my sophomore season. So I, I hadn't even played my junior or junior or season, senior season yet, and I was committed. And so I, I really wasn't as developed as I ended up being by the time I was a senior. So, I think that's kind of the reason for me ending up there. But obviously, it's a great school, um, Division one program, and that's kind of that's kind of what I was looking at, and I was just excited to have the opportunity.
0: And you did do, I mean, maybe if you didn't have the most kind of prototypical California or Texas or Florida kid coming up in like one of those baseball hotbeds kind of experience, you did have a pretty seminal experience in going to the Cape Cod League. What year did you go to do that? And what was that experience like?
3: Yeah, that was so I I went to the Cape um, the summer before my junior year um whatever year that was um and that was i mean that was great that was really my first time getting to play against guys of that high caliber Um, and i always knew that i i could do that it was just kind of kind of wanting to prove to myself that i could do it and that i belong there um and so i had i had a pretty good experience you know i had i'm sure we'll get into it later but i had some some arm issues kind of that that were lingering and that kind of affected me then. Um, but all in all, I I pitched well, I kind of boosted my draft stock a little bit, I guess. Um, met some great guys and just had a lot of fun.
1: The, uh, the draft is kind of my, my bread and butter. I I really enjoy researching it and, um, you know, diving into your story and and Mason Black this year and everyone in between, but I kind of want to know what draft day was like for you because You know you end up going uh top 100 range is that something that you expected i mean were you anticipating to get popped that early or kind of talk about that day
3: yeah so leading up to the draft i had i mean i think i think it was baseball america that released something um kind of projections and they had me going in the fourth round and so obviously i went in the third round which was just a little bit better than my projection. So I was honestly going off of the projection. Um, you know, my agent was telling me uh, probably day two, like I didn't want to get my hopes up for, for end of day one, just cause I knew, I knew that probably wouldn't happen, but there's always that hope. Um, so day two came, I didn't, I didn't have a party. I didn't have anything like that. It was just me and my parents, just cause I, you know, I really didn't have any idea what would happen. Anything can happen in, in terms of the draft. So uh, I got a call, I think, so it was like right after, right after the draft started on day two, 20 minutes into it, I got a call from my agent saying, uh, you know, Seattle Seattle wants you at 97. And from there it was pretty much calling back and forth. You know, I agreed on the, agreed on the deal and, then just heard my name get called on the screen. It was was pretty crazy.
0: Did you know anything about Seattle prior to Have you ever been out here? What was your like image of Seattle?
3: So I've never been to Seattle. Um, I still have never been to Seattle. I I guess I just, I think of the Space Needle. Um, But I had been out, I went to two pre-draft workouts. One of them was for the Mariners. In, uh, in Peoria at their spring training site and I threw a bullpen there and it was honestly I thought it was the worst bullpen of my life my my arm was hanging oh, no. um, and I walked away I was with my dad and I told my dad I was like well Seattle's not gonna take me um so oh,
0: no. obviously,
3: obviously they saw something that they liked and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say I was horrible but I just didn't think it was enough what I did um obviously it was and Obviously those pre draft workouts, they're not going solely off of that. Some of it's just to just to bring you out and get to know you. Um, but yeah, I didn't think that was a good workout and then ended up ended up getting taken by them. So
1: was there was there a conversation that maybe you had the day that you were drafted with, you know, be it Jerry or someone, Justin Holland or someone in the front office, where they kinda said, you know, this is this is what we liked about you. This is you know, this is, you're built from the type of cloth that we like in an arm.
3: I i didn't get anything like that. Uh, Scott Hunter actually called me almost immediately after my name was called, and he just basically said, congratulations, welcome, welcome to the Mariners. We're really excited to have you. Um, and even that was just, I mean, the whole thing is just surreal, but to have, have that call is just, I mean, that's the call everyone dreams of.
0: Well, one thing that we like to do, uh, and especially I think in your case for reasons we'll get into is we like to talk about what your arsenal looks like. So people can kind of start to visualize what kind of a pitcher you are. So like, yeah, just describe like, uh, what you throw, how you throw it, what you kind of pride about yourself as a pitcher. And also if you could talk about too, a little bit like how your arsenal may have changed just through either development that you had in college, things you've gotten from the Mariners, uh, or what you're working on. We love to, get, especially John and Joe, love to get into the to the nuts and bolts of pitching.
3: Yeah, so so I think of myself as, you know, kind of a power pitcher, kind of fastball changeup. I know uh, I think of myself as power just because I, I like to throw hard and I know there's guys that throw harder, but for me, I I really pride myself on being able to throw hard, whether whether or not that's hard or not. I I like to think it is. Um, I mean, we've seen
0: some hot, we've seen some hot, hot Raider gun readings from you over this off season. I I believe I've seen you popping like upper nineties, ninety
3: seven. Yeah, that that I did I did get there on a crow hop. So I'm I'm trying to. You know, I'm still, I'm kind of still coming off TJ. It's been over a year and a half, but, you know, they say, I think they say two years is kind of the, the point where you get your full velo back. So I'm looking forward to whatever, whatever I can get. But yeah, I mean, fastball, pretty, pretty straight forcing guy. Um, been getting a lot into uh, vertical movement, spin direction, trying to get as much vertical break as I can. Yep. Um, change up has kind of been my bread and butter for my whole career. Uh, I throw the Vulcan change up. I actually learned the pitch grip when I was 12 years old at a pitching camp and I kind of just threw it in my hand. I don't even know how I did it at 12 years old, but I threw it and it, it worked and I've been throwing it ever since. So I've had this pitch for over 10 years, and it's kind of been, it's been my money maker, honestly, so that's kind of my, that's kind of my thing, is a change-up.
0: Right, for l- listeners who don't know, a Vulcan, can you just describe briefly what a Vulcan <laughs> change-up is, and how it's different from a, it also goes r- by split finger, right?
3: Right, yeah, so it's, it's basically a split, other people call it a split change-up, it's basically, if you imagine a fork ball between your, your pointer and middle finger it's basically a fork ball between the middle and ring finger and so that's why they call it the vulcan
0: um right like spock right i, <laughs> I don't know
3: anything about i think it's star trek right i don't absolutely I don't know, but yeah so so that's what we got there i mean i i
0: that's all right. I thought it had something to do with rubber, like vulcanized rubber, when oh, I heard Kate. about it. So I didn't, I, I hate, <laughs> not a Star Trek watcher, okay?
3: So, so that's know. kind of, that's kind of been my money maker. I right? Trying to throw it as much as possible. Um, and then I got, got a slider and a curveball right now. Kind of trying to hone in those two and just kind of separate them and really go into spring training with four good pitches so that's what I'm working
2: with right now so you said that that Vulcan changeup that's been since you you're 12 years old not really tweaking it just it it you got it you were able to command it and and you've you sort of rolled with it
3: yeah exactly I mean I I from the first time I threw it it had great movement and I've mm. always been able to command it really well so I mean like anything, it, it it comes and goes. It has its sure. good days and its bad days. But sure. for the most part, I, I kind of have it figured out and know what I have to do to make it move and how to throw strikes with it.
2: I, I think that that is really interesting to hear because when we've talked to other sort of pitchers who, who are sort of go-to change-up guys, it, it does seem like almost one of the more like you got it or you don't uh, kind of things. Like you, you know, we talked yes, to it's a
0: volatile mistress. Right. Right. Like we,
2: we talked to uh Devin sweet who, I don't know if you've gotten any time chance to talk to, but um, you know, also has a, has a nice sort of bugs bunny kind of change up and he, you know, we asked him like, Oh, what do you, what do you do on this thing? And it's just like, this just, I started holding it this way when I was 12 or you know, something and it just, it kept falling. So that, that is very neat to hear.
3: Yeah. I actually, I, I spent a lot of time with Devin out in, out in North Carolina, and man, watching him—he was throwing bullpens a little bit before I started mm-hmm. throwing bullpens, and I—I I mean, he would throw his bullpens, and we'd we'd stand behind and we'd we'd wait for him to throw his changeup because the thing is, he throws more of the the Devin Williams kind of yeah, really coming over the top and gets some kind of. If you look at his changeup on Rapsodo, the the spin it it doesn't even come <laughs> up right because it's just so different. Oh but gosh. yeah, he's he's got a. The killer gene. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to jump into um, kind of immediately after draft day because I know that you had mentioned earlier in this conversation about the nagging arm injuries that you'd had, and you know I don't want to go too far into um, you know what that was like, but during the recovery process, I'm sure that you at times uh, were in Arizona. With Sam Carlson and with you know Michael Liminelli and some of these guys that are recovering, what kind of uh, what kind of brotherhood does that just spawn in you know everyone grinding every day to get back to you know something that they've done their whole life?
3: Yeah, it's honestly so great. I don't I don't know how I would have gotten through that however many months it was until we got shut down without I mean, all if those it's guys. Not, if
0: it's not too painful, you could tell us a little bit about like the injury and and when you knew that you had to you had something pretty serious on your hands
3: yeah i guess i'll start i'll start with that i mean it goes back i think i started having some serious problems i'd say between my sophomore and junior year at lehigh i started to just get really sore after i threw like way more than than usual um, and it, it really affected my starts i'd go from I'd go from really good one weekend to not so good the next weekend just because I wasn't able to bounce back um, and so it was kind of like that for my my whole career from that point on until I got drafted obviously and got the surgery so I got drafted got out to Arizona had my physical they just ordered an, an MRI because i had i had mentioned during the physical you know I feeling a little something in my arm and i didn't at the time i had no idea that it would be so serious um so they ordered an mri waited a few days was completely shocked to find out i needed surgery um
0: how bad was the tear
3: it was a grade two tear so not completely torn it was one of those chronic tears which just you know slowly builds up over time there's there's acute and there's chronic right acute being you know you throw a pitch and it just pops i didn't have that like i said it kind of just built up um so decided to get the surgery and then from there yeah i mean just working every day
1: and how about the guys that were down in arizona with you can you kind of talk about some of the friendships that were forged
3: yeah, so Michael Limoncelli is actually my roommate for my whole entire rehab process. And he's now one of my best friends in the organization, which, I mean, it's great. And I was also with Nolan Hoffman, who was a TJ guy. Uh, he's back there on pens now. And Jamal Wade, another Tommy John guy. Yeah. So we, all four of us were living together together. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We'd...
0: I believe I saw pictures of that house. It did look very fun, like Band of <laughs> yeah. Brothers.
3: Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. I mean, we we'd go over, get our work in. It didn't really seem so gloomy because we were all in it together, you know, just getting after it, doing our doing our stuff. Once you get outside and start throwing, I mean, then it really becomes becomes a lot of fun because at that point you're just happy to be outside throwing the ball again.
0: Is Limoncelli like your little brother? Because he's not a college guy. All the rest of you are college guys, but he's just high school. So is he like uh, kind of your little little brother tagging around with you, showing yeah, him I the
3: mean, ropes? I'd like to think so. It, <laughs> he, he kinda, he keeps he's going to resent that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know he keeps me young. and I mean he keeps we're really... me
0: young, we <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, we're, I mean, we're really close, that whole... That whole kind of apartment that we had was just, I mean, I, it, was, it was a terrible time to be having surgery and going through all this, but those guys made it a lot better. And then, yeah, there's Sam Carlson and some other guys who I honestly didn't know so well at the early stages, but I got to know a little better. Um, and just getting to talk to everybody about the whole process just made it so much easier.
1: Let me ask this. A lot of what I hear is you you get in your rehab, you get in your workout and you're done by like 11 a.m. And then it's just everybody. So many
0: hours to fill.
1: Everyone races to Chipotle.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think I I eat Chipotle. I don't know how many days straight, but it's (laughs) right across from us. And so that's just the place to go. But yeah, you get done. I mean, you're right. You do get done pretty early and then you have the whole rest of the day. And that's why it was so nice to just have those guys around, because we just would hang out and have fun together. But definitely a lot of downtime in the rehab process.
0: Arizona is not the worst place to have to kill some time. I talked to Sam Carlson a little bit about this um, when I talked to him, but just like, there is something about being at that facility every day, though, where like, you almost feel like you have ownership over it, like it's your home base in so many ways. So maybe that helps once it's time for actual spring training and like the major league guys come in. It's not so much like you're on their turf, but they're kind of on yours somewhat. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I've, I've been in the system now for, I, I mean, it's coming up on two years, I guess. And I haven't been anywhere except Peoria, Arizona. So, I mean, I like to think that's kind of my home right now. I'm excited to, To go back for spring training and hopefully only be there for a month and then head out somewhere else but yeah I mean a guy like Sam Carlson I can't imagine what it feels like for him because that's that's really his home he's been there a lot
1: I think Sam owns the place now (laughs) yeah I think
0: he does his picture is in the lobby when you walk in he's I mean he's great though and it's been fun to watch him just kind of grow as a person because we haven't really gotten to watch him grow as a pitcher but Uh, just, he went from a high school kid to like a young adult, like right there. So, um, it was really a bummer because he was one of the ones I was super looking forward to, obviously looking forward to seeing all of you back out there, but, uh, the cancellation of the minor league season, while obviously like a necessity also sucked so bad on so many levels um what did you do with your quarantine like what did you do as a rehabbing guy when things got shut down and where have you been spending your time and what have you been doing have you have you got a quarantine hobby are you a bread baker puzzle guy like
3: well i think i think just like every other guy in their in their early 20s you know i i got out on the golf course probably way more than i should have um (laughs) And, you know, I go off in high school, so it's kind of my thing. I like I like getting out there. You know, there's snow on the ground right now. I'm I'm I've been back home in, in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania for all of quarantine. Um, but yeah, when I got sent home, it was I mean it was a bummer because it was a kind of a crucial time in my rehab. I was just about to start throwing bullpens, um, uh. so I was kind of bummed out. Um, I guess just like everybody, but I. I mean, for a while, I was I was going to my local high school and thrown into a net, and it just wasn't a good situation. Uh, just making the best of it, really, really not doing much, just hanging out. You know, you couldn't you couldn't really do much in the situation. Um, so when I finally got a call to head down to North Carolina, I guess that was during the time of the uh, uh, what was that the summer camp. Uh, the whole thing, right? Like was, July, I
0: mean, that would have yeah, been July.
3: Was, yeah, it was the end of July. I got a call. So,
0: was this I mean, a I Mariners was, sponsored thing or was this just something else?
3: No, this was this was a Mariners kind of event. Uh, it was it was Sean McGrath, uh, pitching coach in the organization,
0: from Elon, right?
3: Yes, and about ten Mariners pitchers head down to. Burlington, North Carolina, right right off of Elon campus, and I think we were there for eight weeks, just working out together, throwing bullpens. We eventually got outside to throw live. Um, so I mean, that was that was just huge.
0: And then you had the um, then you had the fall league after that, right?
3: Right. Yeah, we we went home for about two or three weeks, and then headed right back out to. Arizona for the Fall League
0: what so this is like your first official um, time throwing to live hitters who are not on your team right like this this is kind of your professional debut in some ways what was that experience like
3: It, it was really good I mean I I had been looking forward to it for a while I'm extremely lucky I was able to to throw to some hitters and really get some good work in, in the, you know, the month leading up to that. Um, but I, th- I was just taking it day by day and just so focused on on what I needed to do that it kind of it kind of came and went and, you know, I, I walked off the field after the, the first inning back and I, it kind of then just hit me like, wow, I, I'm, I'm back now. And I, I kind of didn't even realize it at the time, but I mean, it was great.
1: So now that you're now that you're back, um what sort of communications has the team had with you because like on on one end you're a 23-year-old college drafted pitcher, but on the other end you're, you know, a guy that doesn't have an inning uh for the organization yet. Have they have they given you an idea of where you might start this year and what kind of goals they have for you?
3: Um I haven't heard anything about about where I'll start and I don't know if that's From everything I've heard, I don't think that's a thing teams do very often is kind of tell you where they're planning on starting you. So I've kind of just been going forward with the mindset of, you know, it's not up to me where I start, and the only thing I can do is pitch good and just do everything I can to better myself. And, you know, if I pitch well at the end of the day, that's going to take care of it. But that's kind of what I'm thinking right now.
2: I, uh, I, I don't want to put you I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm gonna say this. This is always just such a reminder that like professional baseball is such a wild sport of like yeah, might be working in Everett, Washington next year. Might be <laughs> might be working in Modesto, California, might be in Arizona. I have no idea. So uh, you know, my my heart always goes out to 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 you, Levi, especially, you know, and, and any of the young guys at the start of their sort of big league career where it's like well, we'll see. We'll see where we're going to be across the country.
0: <laughs> I am my heart goes out to any of the Dominican prospects who have to go to Everett in April. I'm so worried about them. Those guys think April in Arizona is cold, so they're going to be just suffering.
3: Yeah, there's for a treat.
0: Yeah, make sure to pack uh some <laughs> some waterproof clothing if you're coming to if it is Everett that you're assigned to, which personally right. I feel like is likely um, let's go back to the fall league just for a little bit, because I feel like this is where, as far as prospect type, I, I feel like you have a ton, you, you have a relatively large amount of national prospect type compared to the amount of time you've actually pitched, which is, has basically been limited to that development league as far as your professional career. Um, we were seeing some reports of some pretty loud velocity, um some really, some evaluators who really seem to be impressed. So I'd just like you to talk a little bit more about your performance and uh, what you thought you did well there and what you thought you might have done to kind of not just catch the eye of the Mariners, who have a very well-oiled hype machine regarding their own prospects, but uh, not just them, but like really nationally.
3: Right, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start by saying I just, you know, I didn't really have, expectations for myself. I knew I this would be my first time coming back pitching in a game since Tommy John. So I really didn't want to put, put that pressure on myself. I just wanted to go out, have fun and, you know, just do the best I could. And you know, I'd worked really hard leading up to that point. So I, I was really confident in, in my stuff and what I could do. Um, and you know, I've always kind of been that way. I've always I've always been confident even even now after not pitching professionally I, I feel like I am in a pretty good spot and I know I have a lot of work to do but yeah I, I kind of just went out there didn't think too much I, I try not to think too much because it's such a it's such a mental game and you know sometimes that can be a lot of guys downfall so I just trusted the work that I put in went out had fun and you know the results the, the results came
0: yeah i'll say they did um what are you most excited for mariners fans to get to know about you what are you what are you excited for the fan base to see
3: i guess i guess i'm just excited to get out on the mound and pitch in front of mariners fans and just have them see you know the competitor that i am um I, I'm really just looking forward to getting out there and and just showing what I can do I, you know i'm not I'm not that vocal i don't I don't say a whole lot i I like to let my you know my pitching do the talking and so I'd say I'm just really looking forward to putting on a mariner's uniform or whatever
2: uniform that'll be this season and <laughs> and just pitching for those fans do you have a memory of a sort of most like Electric state like that the stadium was, whether it was, uh, you know, in college, maybe even in high school, uh, or, or even in the, um, during the Cape Cod League. Was it, was there a time that it's like the, the best sort of energy in the stadium that, that you got a chance to put, uh, to pitch in, like the, mo- the most sort of electrifying, high key moment for you?
3: Yeah. I, I think that would probably be my junior year at Lehigh. Um, I was pitching at Navy against uh, Navy's number one at the time, who was mm-hmm. who was projected to go even higher than than I was. Obviously, you know, mm. there was a little bit of a commitment issue with the Navy, but uh, Noah Song. Uh, I was right? pitching against Noah Song. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so there was. I mean, you look back behind the catcher, and there's uh, 50 some scouts back there. <laughs> and anytime, anytime you see that, it kind of just gets you going and Absolutely. Just knowing I mean obviously the, the game was a really big game is big situation um and yeah i'd say I'd say that probably was the most electric mm-hmm. uh, game I've ever pitched in
0: are you committed to being a starter like what if the what if the road to the majors was a little bit faster if you went through the bullpen how would you feel about that Do you love love starting or would you just really love a chance to zoom up to the major leagues?
3: I guess it, it's kind of both. I, I do love starting, but at the same time, I do love whatever would get me to the big leagues to help the Mariners win a World Series. So, you know, I've been a starter my whole life. It's kind of what I know. I, in my eyes, I I kind of have the profile of a starter, but, you know, I'm not opposed to, to coming in in relief if that's what the team thinks is best and I'm, I'm confident that i can make that transition but going forward i i think of myself as a starter that's kind of how i'm going into the season but you know if they say hey we want you to come out of the pen i'll i'll do it happily whatever whatever's gonna in their eyes get me there and help the team win
0: it's also not uncommon at all for teams to haul up somebody out of their minor league system to fill in innings in the pen if there's like a playoff run or something. So, you know, if that, if that's the case, if that's the situation for you being, I, yeah, I would, I would personally absolutely be like, yes, put me in the bullpen, put me, I will sell peanuts. Like, <laughs> uh, but that is uh that's a little bit of our legacy as Mariners fans where we have had a problem with getting to the playoffs. Uh, It's kind of a long and and dark history. Um, What is, if you look around at the system and some of the guys you know, like um, there are a lot of fans in Seattle who are still doubtful or gun-shy about the team's ability to make the playoffs because we've been disappointed so many times. Why do you think that this crew, this group of guys we have coming up, are um are the guys who are gonna kind of get us over the hump
3: yeah i mean i think when you look at just pure talent i mean it's kind of off the charts the guys that the guys that i'm looking at that are around me um and and you know yeah, anyone in particular
0: young. who stands out to you that you're like wow that guy wow that guy's got some stuff
3: well i guess i mean if you look at the top I guess the top 10 prospects that we have, like, according to most, I guess, most sites, all those guys, I I mean, I haven't seen all of them play in person, but even just even, you know, playing with Julio and, and Taylor Trammell in the folly, like just watching them, watching the ball come off their bats and then some of the other pitchers, you know, I, I was with uh, Emerson Hancock at Instructs and he didn't pitch down there, but man, he's a sharp kid, and, and you can tell that he's just going to be special. Um, but yeah, everyone's just, I mean, everyone's a great person, but I think the talent that that's in this system is really, I mean, it's something
0: special. Is there any uh, particular pitcher you model yourself after? Uh, any guys who you particularly liked watching growing up, or whose starts do you tune into as a fan now guys who you like to watch and try to take something out of their game.
3: Growing up, I was, I was really big into Tim Lincecum, you know, cause I was, I was a smaller kid and, and he just threw so hard and got so much out of his body. So I kind of modeled my mechanics after him. Um, that's when I was, when I was younger. Um, I'd say more today. I, I love watching Walker Bueller pitch. I, I, I just think it's the ball comes out of his hand. is different. I mean, it's, it's electric. It, if, if there's a guy I could model myself after as far as stuff, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm shooting for. And so I love watching. Yeah. That
2: Levi, you were, you were born to be a, a Northwest draftee. If you were watching <laughs> Tim Lincecum, uh, yeah. I mean, that is, that is, you know, the, the
0: University of Washington uh, legend, yeah. Tim Lincecum.
2: Yeah, uh, there's there's a generation of of kids around here who grew up trying to grab a piece of you know grab a dollar bill off the ground when they finished um, <laughs> listening to that you know watching watching Timmy. Um, were you were you a, I, I, I lived out in in sort of a in, in on the East coast for a very brief period of time. And so I've, I've gotten a sense of like, you know, just cause you live nearest to one team, it's that doesn't mean your fandom necessarily goes one way or the other. Um, obviously you grew up, you said sort of in the Lehigh Valley area, you know, were you, did you go to, were you a Phillies fan growing up or a Yankees fan? Did you, were you going to iron pigs games? Like what, what was, what sort of got you into baseball at the very beginning?
3: Yeah, I, I did grow up a Phillies fan. I've been to a number of Iron Pigs games, which is you know the Lehigh Valley team there. Um, I'd say what got me into baseball probably my dad, um, you know, just getting me into getting me into sports and got me into baseball. And I played I played all sports growing up, but baseball kind of just you know I I was really good at it and. And that's kind of what my dad liked the most. And so we we kinda bonded over that and then it it really just became my thing, you know. I slowly started dropping all the other sports and really just started focusing on baseball. But yeah, definitely my dad got me into baseball.
0: What is Pennsburg, Pennsylvania like? I have never I don't think I've ever heard of Pennsburg before, kind of doing a brief Google in preparation for this chat
3: not many people have i I don't really (laughs) know how to explain it i don't think i've ever had to explain it it's so i'm like an hour north of philly it's it's a very small town feel uh nothing too special but you know it's home for me
0: i mean i enjoyed that part of i lived in philadelphia for a while i do have some like philly-based philly slash central pa questions for you um all right so as far as special the the meats of central slash eastern pennsylvania are you a scrapple guy
3: no my my brother is a big scrapple guy and i've i've had it before and used to not really have a problem with it until (laughs) just the other month we got into this big just talk about scrapple and it kinda turned me off to it. I I guess I Was always it you what...
0: realizing that the word crap is right there right there in it? Cause... No, I think
3: it I think it was more of what what scrapple is. And I don't know how much of it was true, but it just it kinda <laughs> just made me not want to eat scrapple anymore.
0: Yeah, it's not a it's 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 a humble food. We'll say that nicely. Uh, I was yeah. definitely much more of a Lebanon bologna person, which is something that I've not been able to to get outside of Pennsylvania anymore, you ever had Lebanon bologna?
3: Um, I don't know if I have. I, I'm sure I have. It's it's not one of my one of my things. Oh, uh,
0: that's that's a Pennsylvania Dutch, d- that's a Pennsylvania Dutch country special. How about uh, water ice or soft pretzels?
1: Water ice. You gotta have to explain oh. what some of these things are. I am so. Oh.
0: or or as they say it in Philly, water. Ice. What is water? water. I,
3: I, Wood-a-ray. Are these things not anywhere else? I, I didn't know.
0: No. What is we soft have soft pretzels. pretzels. Yeah, soft soft I do want to be clear. <laughs> <elsewhere>. <laughs> but but I've never heard have, of Woodrow. We do not have the soft pretzel culture of eastern Pennsylvania, which is like when I lived in Philly, there was a guy who literally every Saturday morning would pull a wagon of pretzels down my street. Pretzels! 25 cents pretzels! Yeah, we don't have that. We don't. I would argue we don't have soft pretzels here. We have we have like the super pretzels out of a like concession stand. That's that's not pretzel culture. True pretzel culture. Uh, Levi, you want to take a turn at trying to explain water ice? Because even I'm not exactly sure I can.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the best way to describe it would kind of be like a slushy, uh, kind of like an ice cream slushy type thing. These are
2: good things. Yeah, I mean, it's. Is there it's kinda... a flavor component? We have like vanilla? Yeah, what are we yeah, talking about? Oh, yeah, any, okay, any flavor green. Okay, you can okay,
0: think of. okay. Yeah, very, ch- that sounds
2: good. You know very, what?
0: very delicious in like those hot, humid Pennsylvania summers. You gotta have some water ice. Yeah. water
2: ice.
0: Yeah, even more refreshing. Like ice cream is too heavy when it's like completely disgusting outside. So you have water ice because it's refreshing and sweet, but it's not like heavy and creepy um how about Hershey Park or Six Flags?
3: Hershey Park I've never been to Six Flags although that's something I've always wanted to do
0: Mm, I don't know if the Mariners would love you getting on Kingda Ka or whatever I never made it to Six Flags when I was living back there I think it's New Jersey is the closest one maybe uh, so I did not I did not do that and I now regret it because there are no Six Flags anywhere near us uh, but Hershey Park is pretty sweet and special I didn't know this but the guy who founded Hershey's he couldn't have kids and there was like a whole home for children that they started I actually worked with a guy who had grown up in he'd lost both his parents and he grew up in the Hershey Park home for children like they took them to Hershey Park for weekend trips and stuff. It's very sweet. Um, all right, final Pennsylvania question, and this is maybe the most divisive: Wawa or Sheets?
3: Ooh, big Wawa. Yeah, I, yeah I've always grown answer. up, grown up going to Wawa. I honestly haven't, hadn't gone to a Sheets until, I don't know, maybe a few years ago. But yeah, big Wawa.
0: See, Eastern Pennsylvania is pretty firmly wawa. I feel, and like things get a little more sheetsy as you go west through. So I wasn't sure how far west you were to have any sheets. There were yeah. there were no I, sheets in Philly. It was pure wawa.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty far far on the east side, so I didn't really have access to sheets, which was a good thing because I I like wawa.
0: I feel like explaining it's difficult to explain wawa to people because they're like what is special about wawa <laughs> like what I've tried to explain this to John before actually well, well
2: cuz so I was a I was a groomsman in my buddy's wedding and he he grew up in Bethlehem and and so like that was where the the service was actually and tried to explain it to me took me the morning of his wedding to get scrapple <laughs> uh, also tried to tried to get oh, me to no, understand no, that. Oh no no no! Oh man, Look, he's hardcore. We, it was mm. it was some interesting mm-hmm. choices. It, love the guy to death, but some interesting choices. Um, you know, it was good. It was good. I we we kind of just have convenience stores. We we're, we we. No, you know, I no. I wish we had as strong of opinions about. That You know, like things, things that that I think a lot. That's something we're missing out on here in the Northwest. No. And I it's because it's because
0: that. you have no Wawa to have strong opinions that's about. Fair, if we had fair. a Wawa, yeah. we would all be It's hard to get but,
2: hyped about Plaid Pantry. You know?
0: Yeah, we would be fighting for <laughs> Wawa to have like a, a for Hoagie Fest to be a national holiday. Oh, Hoagie Fest. Anyway, I miss it. Levi, go to go to a Wawa for me and and have a hot breakfast sandwich. Yeah,
3: I, I think me. I need to now.
0: That sounds good. Uh, you're also a big fisher. Um, you have some very good captions on your Instagram, including Trouty Stouty," uh, "Fish Don't Kill My Vibe," uh, "My Favorite," most recently cofish nineteen. 19." Um, do you eat the fish, or do you just, or are you more of just a fisherman for sport?
3: Uh, more of a fisherman for sport. I mean, I'm always catch and release, so I always always let the fish go back so you can catch them again. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of my hobbies. I've, I've done that kind of my whole life. That's, that's something me and my dad and my brother do. Um, and it's just one of those things that it's kind of just nice to get out in nature and get out on the water and have some quiet and just be along with your thoughts and catch some fish.
0: So more of a fishing as a sport. Um, yeah, do you eat yeah. the seafood? That, are you excited to come to Seattle and eat? Because we have some pretty good fish. We have we have some excellent seafood choices.
3: Yeah, I am excited. I, I think I need a little more fish in my diet. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and getting into that.
0: Absolutely. And you can fish not just for sport, but you can, or not just for fun, but you can actually, uh, I, personally, I don't know that I would be wild about catching something that came out of like the Schuylkill <laughs> River or something. back east but you can definitely definitely eat what you catch out in uh puget sound and again i think the mariners would be much happier with that than they would with you trying to go ride roller coasters at six flags so Uh uh before we go i think joe wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your compatriots at lehigh
1: yeah i got i got another uh i got another draft question for you so I mean obviously Seattle is familiar with the Northeast guys and um, I just want to ask with Mason Black sitting there in July um, if the Mariners are listening what do you you know what do you get in a Mountain Hawk and what do you get in Mason Black
3: I I guess I'd start off by saying you're getting a great kid I mean my my junior year my draft year was was Mason's freshman year and he was kind of battling some injuries and a weird uh, think he had his appendix removed his freshman year so I didn't really get to see much of him on the baseball field I mean I've heard of what he could do and I've seen bullpens and you know on our scout day that year I think he he kind of put up a number that was better than mine and and so it was kind of like wow this kid's going to be pretty special um but he's a great kid I mean every kind of every everyone who goes to Lehigh who plays baseball there is it's kind of the culture there is. It's very similar to the Mariners. You know, you have to be a good person first, and then, then you can be a, a good baseball player. But he's—I mean—he's a stud. Signed, sealed, delivered. Get it
1: done.
0: <laughs> I'll look forward to your draft report, Joe. I mean, just to kind of, just to kind of circle back to that idea about the Mariner's priding character. We talked a little bit about Kevin Mather's comments before we came on air and how they don't really feel like you to you, that doesn't feel like you represent the organization um, or has been your experience of it. So just maybe to reiterate for people at home um, who don't know as much and who, you know, we kind of see anybody and this is what was problematic about what he said is anyone who is wearing a Mariner's logo jacket uh, who is going someplace and representing the team, it feels like they're speaking for the whole team. Um, But that has not been your experience. Can you just talk a little bit about what your experience has been with how character is emphasized in the organization?
3: Yeah. Like I said, um, you know, every every single – higher up that I've met in the Mariners, you know, front office people, everybody throughout the whole organization, I've had nothing but good things to say about, you know, everybody, everybody is a great person. Um, And yeah, like I said, it's just, you know, those comments that were said, in my opinion, are not a reflection at all of the rest of the organization and the way they think. And so I think it's important that people know that. And, you know, it's, from everything I've seen and experienced it's it's a really great organization and I'm excited for for the future there
0: that is really reassuring to hear because I know it's been a tough week in or two in Mariners fandom uh we had to kind of push this interview some in order to deal with the fallout of that which sucks because (laughs) Mather walks away and there's like a mess left behind for everybody else to have to kind of wear a little bit um both fans and the players in the organization, people who had nothing to do with those comments. So um, it's really good to hear that that has not been your experience or not been the experience it sounds like of some other players in the organization. So it's a tough road back, but when they talk about rebuilding trust, those are the kinds of things to hear that really help start that process. So thanks for sharing that with us.
1: Hey, Levi, I've got one more question for you. Speaking of, you know, the road back for, for you, having not yet pitched an affiliated game, what does it feel like to see your name, you know, moving up prospect lists and, you know, creeping up closer and closer to the top 10 for the Mariners? I mean, kind of what what's your feel seeing things like that?
3: Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's a good feeling to see the the work you you've been putting in starting to pay off in terms of getting that acknowledgement. But like you said, I haven't I haven't pitched a game for the Mariners yet. And so I know I still have a lot to prove. I at the end of the day try not to read too much into any of those rankings or really any anything out there that anyone has to say about me. I, I care about what what the organization has to think of me and I'm just trying to go out there pitch well. And I know if I do that, then things are going to go well. So anything, anything that comes out, I'm going to use it as fuel, whether it's good or bad. So just taking it day by day and, and staying within myself and having fun.
0: Sounds like a very good example of the Mariners, uh, core tenant to control what you can control, right? I believe that's exactly. one of their big talking points. Uh, it is. It must be a little. I I feel like you deserve it. <laughs> like Kylie McDaniel from ESPN was on the ESPN broadcast the other day talking about how with pitchers it's easier to gauge where they're at after the shutdown because you can just watch them throw and it doesn't. You don't have to have as big a sample size to be like, oh, that looks crisper. That look you know, do it once and it's kind of, you've proven that it's there where, whereas it's tougher to get a read on a position player guy, you've got to get them on both sides of the ball and things like that. So I definitely feel like maybe you have a little bit, you and other pitchers have a little bit of an advantage in that um, as far as like how quickly people are able to draw these kinds of conclusions. But also I think you, you deserve (laughs) any legs up that you get.
2: Well, we're we're really looking forward to get getting, uh, getting a chance to see you out there, and and hopefully, uh, obviously, in Everett, yeah, hopefully in Everett <laughs> so we can drive up and see you. Yeah, we're we're all obviously Seattle or Seattle area based, so we would we would love to get out there and and see you in person. But um, I'm sure you know you are even more excited to actually get back out on the mound in some games and uh, show what you can do. So thank you very much, Levi, for for taking the time.
3: Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you so much. We're so excited for the fans to get to see you in action and um, see you kind of move up this chain. It's really exciting stuff. So
3: yeah, I'm excited too. I I can't wait to really just pitch in front of of the fans and, and show what I can do. Hopefully help the team win.
0: Absolutely. Well, we look forward to you being part of that next wave. We look forward to that next wave of prospects coming up through the Mariners organization and to one day restoring slash creating some glory for the franchise. Uh, Thank you so much, Levi, for being with us. Thanks, Joe and John. And thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you uh, next time.